Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek. Joined this season by... This is Jordan here. Jordan, you on Twitter. I am on Twitter. I'm Jordan Eggleston on Twitter at JWEggleston7. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. It is incredible, but... We are at week 12, uh, which means we are down to the last two full weekends of college football. There's a sad field goal. We had a sad touchdown last (laughs) week, but nothing sadder. There's nothing worse than the end of college football sad face. We say this every year, guys like me and you, how fast this goes. I I swear it's going faster this year because pretty much all around, you know, the upper Midwest and the country, it's been good weather. So to me, it I that's why I think the seasonality doesn't seem right. So it makes your mind think that we're still in mid-October or early October. We're right. not. We're in mid-November. I mean, we're I I I when I get to this part of the year, I look at the the forecast. It's gorgeous everywhere this weekend, as of right now, as we record this later in the day, Wednesday. But and that that I think that plays into it. I don't know. What do, what do you think of my my thought process there? No, I agree completely with you. I mean, it's 60 plus degrees here in Michigan today and Thanksgiving is just a little over a week away. That's crazy. Normally we have a dusting of snow or at least freezing cold temperatures for most of the day yeah. this time of year. So I'm with you. That's got to play a part in it. I'm not complaining. It's been oh, amazing. No, no yeah. absolutely not. Yeah, no, it's 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 felt great. Um, but, you know, the other thing I always think about is, you know, we've talked all this smack to these Pac-12 teams about playing in the elements. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it's going to help their transition. Yeah, these guys about, Look at this weather. It's perfect over here. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing I keep thinking about. Um, okay, so uh, as far as scenarios this weekend, um, this will play into what the Big Ten game of the week was, which is the scenarios are all played out in the Big Ten East. And that's the interesting thing about this is when it came down to it, it's interesting. We've talked about it before, but you have the continual fun mess on the West and then the elite point of the spear in the East. What do you like? Do you like elite teams that only play two meaningful games all fall? Or do you like, you know, above average teams that are playing slugfest seemingly every weekend that kind of played into my poll for Big Ten game of the week because there just isn't much to be played for or paid attention to for East teams other than, obviously, if you're taking spreads and game totals into consideration. That's the that's the difference uh, between the East and the West. Well, it's the beauty of the Big Ten Conference, if you ask me. I mean, you have every bit of everything that you could want in a college football season all wrapped up in a conference. I agree. If you're only interested in playoff chases, we got that for you. If you want to see what all the different layers and beauty of what college football could be, let's look on the other side because we got a little car wrecks. We got great defense. We got all kinds of stuff for you. What's right. your flavor? I mean, I've said it before. That's why they make different flavors of ice cream. I'm convinced that's why they made the Big Ten Conference, because you just <laughs> don't know what you like. Here you go. Dive on in, and we've got a little bit of everything for everybody. I love it. I love it. Um, mostly what we have in the Big Ten West is good defenses and struggling offenses, although some of these teams have have taken a, a jump up. Um, nice to see that the college football playoff committee takes defense – and special teams and overall team thought processes into consideration 
because if you left it up to the AP or the younger generation of college football, quote unquote, thinkers, the only thing that matters is offense. It, I don't know, nice to see that some of the adults in the room had a had a more holistic view on what a, on what a football team is. Completely agree. Now get off our lawn. Yes, absolutely. Scenarios in the Big Ten West. We can't break down every single scenario. That would be a whole podcast in itself. That would be a tough listen, I might add. That would but, be the, oh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia meme of the guy standing yes. in front of the whiteboard just pulling his hair out, pointing it. Yeah, yes, that would be, that's what that podcast would be. Yes. Uh, speaking of podcasts, shout out to Big Banter and uh, the Big Ten Huddle. They've had me on their podcast before. They had a great graphic on Twitter, so I'm just stealing their graphic and really using that to, to try to clarify. I should have put percentages on it. The percentages are there's an overwhelmingly good chance for Iowa to be in the Big Ten Championship. They only need to win one of the next two they are in. Certainly, if they win the next two they are in, there's even a plausible way that they could lose the next two. And just with minimal amounts of help, that would also be a tiebreaker thing to get them in. So. Which would be the most Big Ten West way for it to go, don't you think? It is. Just put a meme out. (laughs) Just put a meme out. Or Jeff, excuse me. I just put a GIF out this morning. I don't know if you watch Game of Thrones, but there was a a really bad guy in Game of Thrones where he's torturing a guy, and he says, if you think this has a good outcome, you haven't been paying attention. That's essentially what applies to the Big Ten West. But overwhelming favorite is Iowa to get to Indianapolis. I still think it'll come down to the last weekend, or at least it definitely could. Uh, Northwestern Minnesota, they have a, a chance, but the chances are so astronomical. I don't know when you enter into astronomical chance. Is there actual percentage attached to astronomical? I don't know what it is, but they're either astronomical chances or, or very small chances that either Minnesota or Northwestern can get in mostly because it will take Minnesota beating Ohio state to make that happen. Don't, don't see that happening. Not to foreshadow too much. Well, And I, and I think when you have to start saying, okay, they have to do X, Y, and Z and X, Y, Z needs to happen. And X, Y also needs to happen. We're starting to get into astronomical at this point. Okay. We can limit it down to maybe one or two things that needs to happen. But when you're into the two, three, maybe even four potential situations that need to happen, I think that's when you reach astronomical. That's my opinion. With the biggest star, whatever you want to say, for astronomical that needs to hit is Minnesota beating Ohio State. So we're, we're taking Ohio State and Northwestern off the board. With that being said, Nebraska, Illinois, and Wisconsin – have definitely clear paths to Indianapolis, which is Iowa losing their last two games. Home against Illinois at Nebraska. I'll I'll tell you this much, as an Iowa fan, I'm not saying that can't happen. That can absolutely happen. So we assume that that happens. Iowa loses out. Then Nebraska essentially needs to win out. If Iowa loses out and Nebraska wins out and they play each other, they're in. That is not hard to imagine that that happens. Essentially the same thing for Illinois. Iowa loses out. Illinois wins out. Same thing for Wisconsin. Iowa loses out. Wisconsin wins out. Now, there's a couple little nuances in there that these teams will need, but that's essentially what they are looking for. So we got four very viable teams going into the last two weeks in the Big Ten West to get to Indianapolis. You have to like Iowa's position, obviously. Like you said, they control their own destiny, and there's a lot of ways that they get to Indianapolis, but at the same time, 
you as an Iowa fan can't feel great because no. you do, like you just said, there's so many different ways this can go south and go south in a hurry. If you went back in time to August and gave us this scenario, first we would say, oh, geez, lost the pig. Ah, I don't know if I like that, but having to only win one of your last two games to get to Indianapolis, I, I think most Iowa fans would take it. Yet you're not going to see them, too many of them, being too puffy chesty out on Twitter with this because we we want to see one of the two wins first before before we get too proud. And last couple things here before we get into the football. Uh, sounds like good news for what I think would be a lot of Northwestern fans as David Braun sounds like he's going to be permanently hired as the coach. Something Jordan and I, uh, as he says something to me or, or looks at me, something that we both uh, talked about quite a bit. Uh, so we will confirm that when we have a little bit more information. And sounds like injury news uh, just kind of broke a couple hours ago as well out of Iowa City. We will break that down when we get to the game of the week. All right, let's go ahead and get into the football breakdown. We have seven games this weekend, four games early, hmm. two games in the afternoon, one game in the evening. I'm going to pause right there. Why can't we have two games in the evening? It's it's a it's a common theme. It's usually three, three and one for the seven, which is fine. I just don't understand why we can't take one of those afternoon or early games and put them into the evening. So I have two Big Ten games. Is there a rule with that? I, well, I don't get the it. big. I mean, you know the whole thing with Big Ten and night games in November that mm-hmm. that both the, the approval or whatever, and some teams just are flat out refusing to do it. So I understand that we now have night games in November. Why can't we have two, Jordan? I think these TV contracts will eventually step in and say, hey, we're going to split this up a little bit because we have too much uh, time to fill and we need to do it with all of our inventory. I so, so I think you'll see more of them coming forward. Well, you're definitely going to just because of the amount of inventory. That well, yeah, the West, West Coast, Coast teams, there's going to be a ton of that, right? um, So you could have eased us into it by having more evening games this year. But uh, who am I? One positive thing, though. No cock this weekend that is a good thing there will not be no we shall not be cock blocked this week or cock locked or any of the cock scenarios that are out there uh so all seven of these games are this saturday november 18th we're going to save one game in the afternoon for last as the big 10 game of the week starting out in the early slate the number three ranked Michigan Wolverines going in to State College to take on the six and four Maryland Terrapins. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on Fox line, Michigan by 19, over under 50. So Vegas is saying something like 35 to 16 Wolverines. Yeah, another good old big noon kickoff. Uh, Michigan leads the all time series 10 to 1, uh, including seven of in a row so it's been a while since the Terps got that one victory uh but last year Michigan did win 34-27 in the big house so and that was a much closer game now early in the year Maryland really really put up a good fight in that game and I think there were a few Maryland fans that really felt like maybe they should have won that game in Ann Arbor last year speaking of winning if Michigan wins this game it will be the 1,000th victory in program history how's that make you feel as a wolverine fan jordan i mean uh, it just it just speaks to the longevity of the program but i mean how many of these wins happened before <laughs> anybody listening to this grandparents were even watching right. college football so i mean it's it's a cool thing it's a thousand wins it shows the long time success this program's had um and it's another cool storyline to a potential historic season for this team 
And, and it's another thing that Michigan fans will be proud of that Michigan haters will point at and figure out a way to hate them for. That's that's how it yeah, goes. That's, that's how fine. it goes. Yeah. Speaking of this so, game. Such uh, as college football, right? Such as college football. <laughs> Speaking of this game, sunny, sunny football weather, maybe a little bit hitting weather. Uh, trap sandwich here. This is as trappy sandwich as can possibly be served up. You need two things for a sandwich game: a tough game before and a big game after. Trap then is an opponent that nobody expects you to beat or to lose to, but. If the chips fall, you can see a plausible way that a loss can be brought to you, right? This is this is as as best slash worst as could be served up. I said at the beginning of the year when I was talking about Michigan season and the schedule, you know, it was all I was very well known. Michigan schedule was very soft at the beginning of the year. I said that this game was the scariest game of anything on the schedule, and it's because of exactly what she said—the trap potential of it. Now, having said that, as the season's gone along, I. Feel a little bit better about it because we've sure. seen just kind of the, the the lesser side of what Maryland's been. I think even Maryland fans would say they probably feel even a little less confident coming into this game than what they did maybe even a month ago. But it's still a trap game. This is still a Maryland team that locks his head some stuff on Michigan since he's been there. He's been able to score points. He's been able to scheme things up as he seems to always do. It just depends. And then you throw into all the stupid hardball stuff and where this team is at mentally, do they get caught looking ahead to that game next weekend? It it has all of the earmarks, plus little extra sprinkles on top for this to be a, a trap game, all of that stuff. Uh, speaking of locks, not shy to complain about Big Ten refs. He had another chop at them this week. I, I when Locks gets complaining, I don't know what it is, dude. He's a wordsmith. I I, I get a kick out of him complaining. The, a penalty that was called against Maryland at the end of the first half versus Nebraska was just horseshit. I, I, there's no other way to say it. Even Nebraska fans listening to their podcast, they 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 admit that. Um, so th- just something that adds to it that I, I would add to the, to Locks in that they do they are going to need to play a clean game, which which includes turnovers. And penalties. And I think it's fair to say that what for whatever reason, Maryland plays more sloppy when they shouldn't and then plays cleaner versus the big three, notwithstanding with Penn State. That's what's been crazy about Maryland is they've played Ohio State and Michigan better than they've played Penn State. You just gave the score from last year. I'm not saying that's what we're going to have. I'm saying it's something that should be brought into consideration when prognosticating this game. Yeah, no, you're you're right. And the, the biggest thing, though, for Maryland, and it's been the thing I've harped on all year, is the trenches. We know it's well documented how good Michigan's offensive and defensive lines are. Can Maryland's offensive or defensive lines hold up in any way, shape, or form, give Leah any kind of time and slow down Michigan's running game? Because I have a feeling after what we saw in state in Happy Valley last week, and Michigan's going to be very content with just lining up and running the ball as much as possible and getting into next weekend. So if Maryland's defensive line can't bow up a little bit and slow that down, you may, it may you may see a similar type of game. We're on the same lines as we typically are. I'll get into my prediction. It'll be interesting to see how close we are on this one. Everything that we're bringing into play has to be brought into consideration, and it will for what I'm going to say here. Michigan wants this game to be over as fast as humanly possible. Get the big names out of the game. 
make sure they're healthy and ready to go for next week. Locks will scheme something up. He'll hit something at some point. Leah will use his legs to get first downs that will frustrate Michigan fans at time. I think all of that plays into this. Nervous about up front. Nervous on what Maryland defense will show up. I'm going to make the assumption that a little bit better version of the Maryland defense shows up this week. So I've got Michigan 28, Maryland 13. That's a somewhat easy cover for Maryland. And at 41 points, I've got that going quite a bit under the game total. Yeah, we we see it pretty similar. I feel the same way. I think Michigan's going to want to get out of this as quickly as possible. And we saw JJ a little gimpy in the Penn State game. I don't think you see him running the ball at all in this game. So I got Michigan 31, Maryland 13. So that's also a Maryland cover. But I told you going into this, I didn't know what my lock of the week was going to be, and I was torn on a couple. But what you just said signed me into it. I'm going to lock up. My lock of the week is the Michigan-Maryland under 50 because I just I just think Michigan's completely content with getting in control of this game and just milking the clock out and being done. And I mean, at 44, that's almost a full, that's a full touchdown under the number. I just, I like that play. So that's my lock, my Amador double barrel lock of the week, Michigan, Maryland under that 50 points. So Jordan, I typically briefly discuss a few things before we hit record. One of the things that we talked about was the fluidity, shall we say, of the lock of the week for, for both of us. What I was going to say at the beginning of the pod, and of course I forgot, was that I believed we were going to be looking at the same one, two, or three locks this week, and it wouldn't have surprised me if we both agreed. This was my lock of the week up until three minutes before we recorded the podcast. I switched it to another, but we both agree. The under makes me feel better because, like I said, I had two or three other ones. Where I was like, man, I kind of feel the same about all three of them. I'm just going to kind of see where my gut goes when we start talking about it. So I feel so, even better about this now. Yep. So we agree, yet we don't have the same one, which probably in some weird gambling cosmic way makes our it chances. Makes me feel good. Yes. Yes. It makes me feel good. I like it. So. Yeah. And I think I'm self self promotion here. I think I'm eight and three in my Amador locks going into this weekend. So well, last week, last week bit me. I was yeah. I was doing pretty well last week, kind of, you know. Well, th- that type of feeling could also apply to one of the fan bases we're going to break down here. Our other early game, <laughs> uh, six and four, Rucker Scarlet Knights at the number 12 ranked Penn State Nittany Lions. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on FS1. Line Penn State by 20 and a hook over under 41.5. So they're saying something like 31 to 10 Nittany Lions. Uh, beautiful sunny weather we got in uh, Happy Valley. So the all-time series, Penn State leads this 31-2. to two. Do you know the last time Rutgers got a win in this was, series? Was it Shiano when he had him up and running, or is it even further back than no, that? No, no, okay. it's way back. All right. So it was 1988. Okay. It the last time the Rutgers-Scarlet Knights got a win here, a 21-16 game in-state college. Little note, little fact here. I wasn't even alive yet. I was gonna say, don't 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 be acting like 1988's ancient history here. Okay, we had electricity and running water back then, but but I it's, was, it's been a long time. I was just a twinkle. <laughs> okay, shut up, jerk. All right, this game, <laughs> this game, not not a not a a ton to break down. Uh, they 
aren't expecting a lot of points, which is obviously showing itself in the game total. Probably the biggest news story is that we sort of called it on Sunday morning's podcast when we recorded, would Penn State think about firing Mike Yersich? They went ahead and fired Mark Marcus. I tell you what, James Franklin, not not shy of ripping the cord on these coaches. They it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I said something about it when we brought it up. I'm like, do you really want to do that and then have another offensive new system to learn? This is now his sixth offensive coordinator that James Franklin will have had while he's at Penn State. That's a lot in the of that time frame. I mean, and I know they're not all that they're not all have been fired. It's there's different reasons that some people have left, but still, six different guys calling plays in your time in one play. That's you start to ask some questions about what's going on with for sure for sure but at the same time give james frank credit if he feels like he needs to make a move he will make a move yeah so the uh offensive coordinators for the last two games will be Jawan cider he's a running backs coach and ty howell he's a tight ends coach one person that i don't believe was in the running was marquise Higgins, which is the wide receivers coach i'm actually surprised that He's still the coach because a lot of rumblings that I get from Penn State fans are the effort and coaching up of the wide receivers and their and their general effort trying to become better football players has been part of the issues overall with the offense. So just something to throw out there. Yeah, um, on the both, opposite side of that, Cider's one of those coaches that Penn State fans love. Love. So and they should. I mean, the running backs have been looking great, obviously, right. the last couple of years. I think he had something to do with them, you know, uh getting in the house too. So both teams coming off disappointing losses, Rutgers getting shut out in Iowa City, Penn State, obviously after the Michigan game. So this plays in to my prediction as well. It just seems like these would be the type of games that are I don't know if sleepy is the right word, but just Let's get this game over with. They would feel, you know, that that especially Penn State fans will have hard to see explosions happening in Happy Valley on on Saturday. Yeah, the thing I wrote down for Penn State is don't let Michigan beat you twice. I mean, that's a it's an emotional letdown more than anything because of the hopes that you had for your season. But you are at home. I mean, Penn State is the much more talented team in the situation. But now, having said that, we've we've spoke all season about how much we think this Rutgers team has improved and I expect them to come out and kind of use a lot of the game plan that they saw Michigan do against Penn State because that's what Rutgers is good at they like to run the ball so they're going to try to I would expect them to try to implement a little bit of that game plan and and see how much success they can have and what Penn State has cleaned up and self-scouted from themselves in a week for sure I'm not a hundred percent sure of the health of the fun guy Kyle Manun guy if I knew how healthy and effective he could be on Saturday that would play maybe more into this even more with my prediction. We'll see what Rutgers game plan we get was surprised how little they tried to run Gavin Wimsett last week versus Iowa. I would say Penn State and Iowa are somewhat similar defenses. Penn State goes about it a more athletic way. So is there a way where over-pursuing a front seven and Wimsett can take some and run. Will he feel more comfortable trying to hit shots down the field? They just kind of stopped doing some of that stuff last week in Iowa City. Long story short is, can you come up with ways that Rutgers gets points on the board? That's that's kind of right. what I'm trying to do here because 
that that's the story of the game. I don't expect Penn State to explode. Their offense isn't nearly as bad as what people are making it out to be. Penn State's offense just didn't look good versus Ohio State and Michigan, who have great defenses. Ah, it's just mind-numbingly frustrating when you hear that stuff over and over again. So I expect Penn State to put points on the board. Is it going to be enough to cover the spread? That's the biggest thing in this game. Right. Yeah, and I think you'll see Penn State try to do a little bit early on, especially with a new offensive coordinator, to try to get Drew Aller a little comfortable. You know, some simple, easy things in the offense, like, hey, see, we can move the ball. And once they get that confidence, then I think you see the two-headed monsters running back really just kind of own this game. So if you want, I'll go into my score here. I think we're kind of seeing this the same way. I um, Rutgers' defense is good, but they want to run the ball. Penn State's defense is elite. And I think their best attribute is running the ball. So to me, that leads to a lower scoring game. So I got Penn State winning this game 31 to 9. That's 40. That's just under. That's just barely covering the 20 and a half at 22 points. But I just think, and I just think this game kind of turns into a, a slow march to the death at the end of it. Penn State's going to do a similar to in the Maryland game. They're going to get ahead and they'll just kind of sit on it, milk it, and get through the rest of the game. Ditto. Essentially, that's my breakdown. I just have a little bit different score. Same one I had his last game. Penn State 28, Rutgers 13. Of those, so that's under by a half a point. Uh, so I I don't love the under, but that's what that's how I would side. How's Penn, how's Rutgers gonna get 13 points on the board? Is the, the most questionable thing with that, is is what I would say. Yep. All right, sticking in the early window. The three and seven Michigan State Spartans at the three and seven Indiana Hoosiers, eleven o'clock a.m. game on BTN. Hoosiers by four and a half over under forty seven point five. Vegas is saying something like twenty six to twenty two. Hoosiers, sunny and gorgeous, fifty degrees in Bloomington. Yeah, Michigan State leads the all time series forty nine eighteen and two. The Hoosiers did win last year thirty nine thirty one. I'm going to go out and make a prediction. I don't think the final score ends up that high in this game this year. Well. I'm not saying it's going to be that high, but I will say I see points available in this game. There's now with Indiana, we we had a lot of confidence with their defense for quite some time. Then it's sort of fallen asleep behind the wheel a little bit here recently. So I'm a little bit skittish with Indiana's defense. Michigan State on the other side has to feel excited that they're not going against Michigan, Penn State, or Ohio State. Like, honestly, that plays into this for me is, hey, this is our chance to actually have some fun on Saturday. There's a little bit of a screw it. Let's put a show on for the fans. <laughs> Nobody has anything to lose here. That's the feeling I'm getting in, in this game. The other the other part of that with Michigan State is, though, Who's the quarterback? Quarterback. Well, like we 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 heard that uh Alante Brown is essentially the backup quarterback for this game. Did I, did I read that correctly when That's, I saw that? We did we did see that, yes. So so the injury and quote unquote health status, and maybe some of these guys already looking towards the TP for the Spartans. You know, what's what's the availability look like? All that to me with an Indiana defense kind of makes me makes me feel uneasy about this Michigan State offense generating a whole lot of points. Don't necessarily disagree with all of that, but sums up with the Indiana defense. They're they're out of their lanes. Uh, poor Tommy Allen. I thought he was going to pull his hair out before or uh, at halftime and after the game. So that plays into this 
for me, along with the 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 factor of just not caring, you know. So like, I'm not saying not caring, but what do you have to lose? Type of mentality. So I think you take shots. Let's see what happens if we if we throw the ball downfield, attack the outside, setting some trick plays up. This could wind up being a. I know this game isn't going to be something that's going to garner a lot of eyeballs unless you're a Michigan State or Indiana fan, but it could wind up being a fun game to put shekels on because of the entertainment factor. That that's my thought process. So I'll jump into it, and then you can go after me. It just seems like Indiana's playing for more. They're playing for their coach's job, or at least Tommy Allen is coaching for his own job. That plays into this for me. So I, I've got Indiana 31, Michigan State 20. So at 51 points, I have that going over. And covering 11, almost a touchdown more than the line, that is my Amadero, Amador double-barrel lock of the week, Indiana covering that four and a half. So, yeah, I'm just pretty similar. I mean, I have Indiana 27, so not as many points. Michigan State 20, that's seven points. This was the other one that I was very close on my lock of the week. I mean, that's seven points of the four and a half. At 47, just under the number. The thing that pushes this over, in my opinion, is turnovers. Michigan State, they went up to Indiana with their hyper-aggressiveness and maybe creating some kind of chaos in their own end of the game. So I could see it going to the over, but I just don't see the Spartan offense generating a whole lot of points against an Indiana defense that's played pretty inspired, even though it's been a little leaky at times here of late. Feel better. That's where my breakdown came down. I felt better about Indiana putting points on the board than Michigan State. So I stuck with the over. But if Michigan State doesn't put points on the board, that uh, swings back to Indiana covering the four and a half. So that's where I came with that. Yep. Last game in the early window, the three and seven Purdue Boilermakers at the five and five Northwestern Wildcats. This is a 11 o'clock a.m. game on Big Ten Network line. Boilers by three, over under 46 and a half. Vegas is saying something like a 25 to 22 game. Sunny football weather in Evanston. Yeah, Purdue leaves the all time series here 53 33 and one, 17 9 last year for the Boilermakers. So a little closer game, I think. This this game to me is very, very interesting, especially because what we saw Purdue do last week and even more going back a week further and what the successes that they did show against Michigan and how they brought that forward the following week. So we're seeing a Ryan Walters-led Boilermaker team get better, even no in doubt. a tough loss. They're getting better, and that's a good sign for a team. Hudson Card still looks confident. We're seeing more and more of these weapons on Purdue. It makes this game fun. It makes this game really, really interesting to me. Proud of you because you're a, a Michigan fan at East, more, you know, follower more than West. But there is some let's check this out feel. Don't get me wrong. If you're not a Purdue fan or a Northwestern fan, I'm not saying you're going to be glued to it. But again, if you maybe had some shekels on it, I think this would wind up being a fun game. Going to stick with the theme that I did last week, which is the bowl game bowl ranking. This has bowl game bowl ranking to it. So I've got a three out of five, which is essentially all Northwestern. It's just they get more than a two and a half out of five because it's incredible that we are two weeks left and Northwestern just has to win one of the last two games to get to a bowl. It's worth tuning in just to see, are they going to do it? Is Northwestern going to pull this off and get to a bowl? That's incredible to me. It's just that it's against a Purdue team that's as mercurial of a football team, maybe in the entire 
Big Ten. Don't know if it's going to be defensively led. Don't know if it's going to be offensively led. What it's going to look like week for week. These guys are hard to figure. Yeah, I I think you completely encompass what I'm thinking for this game. I <laughs> I have no idea yes. how, what the final outcome of this game could be. I could see it playing out 17 different ways. Yes. But I think that's because of what we've seen from these two teams this year. When we saw Purdue team early on, that was just like, wow, bad. We had them at the bottom of the rankings. The Northwestern team that everybody thought was dead at the beginning of the year, and now they both just continuously progressed and shown us these pieces. So to me... For a game like this, it has to come down to quarterback play and which quarterback can take care of the ball and keep their offense on schedule. I don't need Ben Bryant, or if it's not Ben Bryant, whoever Sullivan, whoever's playing quarterback for Northwestern, because you know, sometimes right. that can be a, a question. I don't need him, them or Hudson Card to make these big wow plays. Just don't make the oh shit play that's gonna cost us this game. Keep us in the game. Let the defenses try to control this game. I I just want to see which quarterback. Hmm can keep their team in line longer to win this game. Cause I think this is going to be a close game all the way down the stretch. I do too, or at least swings that will always bring it back to being close. Not sure if I see the same game plan that I'm expecting out of either team. I think both teams are, are going to throw it and, and put point there. I think that the, the goal is going to be put points, a little bit of YOLO. This has got YOLO uh, shots to it. By the way, speaking of you know all the nice things we've said about Northwestern because they deserve it, how about this? Whether it's Ben Bryant or Brendan Sullivan at quarterback, I feel good about either guys. Isn't that another incredible thing that Northwestern has pulled off? Going into the year, I didn't think they had. I one mean, neither one of them on have the been like you. So yeah, yeah, it's insane. Yeah. They, they've unlocked their wide receivers. Still not sure how I feel about the rushing attack. Sure not how I feel about stopping the run, which Purdue can do. It again, this all the scenarios. I I do think it it this could be twenty to seventeen, twenty seven to twenty four, dude. I think it's got the possibility to be thirty eight to thirty four as well. I think all of those are on the board. With by the way, either team winning in all those scenarios. I hope there. I'm going to have an eye on this. I'm going to make sure I have a rooting interest. Oh, it's already got a spot. It's already got a spot on one of my secondary screens. Just just because of the storyline factor. Okay. There's just. I'm so intrigued to see which way it goes. I mean, not so much storyline. The only real storyline here in my mind is can Northwestern get to bowl eligibility? There, and and I guess Purdue. You know, keeping on with the Walters plan. So I guess that's a storyline. But in the end, it's it's can Northwestern. Uh, get to a bowl or not overall though it's if you put if you have a reason to cheer for one of these teams or something involved with the team I think you could be in for some fun so I'll get into it I I think it's going to be closer to points and fun than on the other side of things Northwestern is hot this isn't a disrespect to Northwestern Purdue's just got something going on right now for me that I feel a little bit more comfortable with them so I got Purdue 30 Northwestern 24. So that's a Purdue cover. And at 54 points, feel pretty good about this going over that game total. Flirted with this also being the Amador double barrel lock of the week. Yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty close again. Um, this is, this is a tough game for me to pick. So ultimately what I went with was give me the points and who's at home. So I'm going to take Northwestern to get this win outright because being at home, 
But this game's close, so I want the three points. So I've got Northwestern 24, Purdue 23. I... This is the least confident I would feel about wow. any of these picks. I do see it going over, even on this low end of what I'm predicting. That's still over. I think the point-wise, I think over would be my most confident play in this, but I'm going to take Northwestern at home. I just they, They've played really well at home, even better so than on the road. So that that's the one thing that was the tipping point for me because I think these two teams are pretty evenly matched. They're definitely evenly matched, and that's, that's what's getting into the unpredictability of it is – how they're coming in. But if you look at Northwestern's schedule, they win, then they lose, then they win, then they lose. They won last week. So they're, they're due. They're, they're due for another loss. That's kind of how it's going. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip, need, or in your favorite bourbon cocktail. Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Moving in to the afternoon. The only afternoon we'll break game will break down right here. Uh, five and five. Minnesota Golden Gophers going into the 10 and 0 number two ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. This is a three o'clock p.m. game on Big Ten Network line. Buckeyes by 27 and a hook over under 48.5. So Vegas is saying 38 to 10 Buckeyes. Yeah, the Buckeyes lead the all time series 46 to 7. Now that's 11 in a row. Last time they played was 2021, if I'm not mistaken. That was C.J. Stroud's first game as a starting quarterback, where every single Buckeye fan was like, ah, this isn't the guy. That's right. Boy, did that end up being wrong. I was at that game. <laughs> that was a great game. Um, that yeah. game was underrated for how good it was deeper in yeah, the game. Yeah, 45-31 final for the Buckeyes in that game. So Buckeyes, like most series in the conference, have a pretty commanding lead over it. And I have a feeling, and my gut tells me, I think you'll be on the same side of this. I think we've already kind of broke this game down with a few <laughs> of the games that we talked yes. about earlier in the episode 100%. here. 100%. I mean, um, I can see Ohio State taking the exact same mindset that what Michigan and Penn State are looking at is let's let's get a lead, let's sit on it, let's control this game, let's get out of here with no injuries. We got one next week that's, that's for all the marbles. Totally agree. Just throwing this in there. This has got a bowl game bowl of a 0. 0.5 out of five. <laughs> Just on, there is a remote chance that that it would play into something. I'm with you there. Ethan Calligmanis talking about the Gophers. He has looked better, but he's not going to look good. <laughs> I don't think on Saturday afternoon going into the evening, the Gopher back seven is in shambles. It, it I, I haven't seen it look this bad since before Joe Rossi took over. It was it was looking bad then, but it's shocking, especially when you consider some of the talent they have in the secondary, but something's off. They go to man, quarterback runs through them, or the running back runs through them. They switch the zone, the communication falters. They have issues there. Not a lot to show confidence that Minnesota can get Ohio State in a big game trap type of feel. I just, just don't see it before before they go into the horseshoe. I th and I think the reason is because I don't think Minnesota's offense has those explosive tendencies that you would need for that, that to kind of happen in this situation. Going into Columbus, you, you got to be able to create some explosion on offense. I think when we talked about it with Maryland a little bit, it's because Maryland's offense has had some times where we've seen good explosive plays and lock scheming things open. I just don't think that's the situation that you look at with Maryland. They're more of a drag you into the mud and beat you in a fist fight type of game. And I don't think you want to do that with Ohio State this year. 
There, that's the thing about Ohio State, though. You drag them into the mud, they'll wrestle you. Exactly. The They've done I don't that. Think they, I don't think that's a fight Minnesota no. wants right now. But on the other side, you want to go run out in the field? <laughs> they can do that as well. I, that, that's the issue here. Ohio State, same breakdown that we just did with Michigan. Get the win. Keep Kyle McCord buzzing. You know, I feel like there's. it looked different last week. I swear it wasn't just because they were playing Michigan State. I thought I saw a more confident Kyle McCord. He'll have his chance to do it here. Avoid the turnovers would be the biggest thing. Just don't, don't, don't throw bad turnovers. Get, I, I'll be, I'll be interested. If there was a conversation this week in the Ohio State offensive meeting room where they're like, how many yards and splash plays do we get Marv to keep him in the Heisman race and then get him the hell out of the game to keep him healthy for Michigan? Don't tell me those conversations don't happen. They happen. I would I would love to know. That is 100% the reason that my score prediction is the way it is, because I do think there is going to be a concerted effort to get Marv touches early yes. and touchdowns early so that his Heisman numbers can still, he could stay in that conversation and get him the hell out of the game as fast as possible because they know how much they need him. So I don't know if you've got more. You want me to go ahead and go into this? Go for it. Okay. I've got, I mean, it's, it's comes down to a matter of covering at this point, I believe. Right. So <laughs> yes. I, I've got Ohio state 35 Minnesota nine. So give me the 27 and a half. I just think Ohio State gets out of this thing early, like we just said with Marv, get in their points, and they get out of there. That's why that's also 44 points. That's well under the 48.5. It's exactly like we said earlier. I think they're going to be completely content in the fourth quarter to run the ball as much as possible, shorten this game up, and get the hell out of here. So give me Minnesota the points and under. We're pretty close. Um, Marv, stats, Travion into a lather, out of the game. It's going to play into it. I, okay. I would be surprised if Travion gets more than 10 carries as much That's, as they need him healthy. Like there he's going to be, I think he's out of this game quicker than anybody. 100% to, to, to steal your line. Totally agree with you there. I got Ohio state 38, Minnesota 13, lots of points. Ooh, what I think is Minnesota's offense will be out there a lot because, and then they'll just pop one. Daniel Jackson, right? Something will, will happen. They, they I'm not saying they're this Huge big play threat, but they'll pop. They'll pop a big play. They have that capability. So, th so that's what I'm seeing. And at 51 points, I I actually have that going under. This does fall under the. Does one team have the ability to cover this game total themselves? Ohio State definitely has the possibility to cover this game total by themselves. Nope, you're not wrong there. Not wrong. Moving into our one evening game, we got a doozy here. The five and five Nebraska Cornhuskers at the five and five Wisconsin Badgers. This is a 6:30 p.m. game on NBC line. Badgers by four and a hook over under pretty low, 36.5. Vegas is saying something like 20 to 16 Badgers. Sunny and 50 degrees in Cheeseland. Yeah, the Badgers lead the all-time series 12 to 4. So that is including uh, nine in a row for for the Badgers. Last year's barn burner yes. of a 15-14 Badger win in Lincoln last season. So, Which was actually 
weird for this series. They had been points and points galore before that, at least yeah. under Frost. 35 28, 37 21, 41 24. So, yeah, you're right. Points, Frost, points, points Frost the was years. the one Jim Leon Hard elixir. He, he could, he knew how to attack that defense. It was one of the weird things. Okay. I have got a bowl game bowl rank of 4.999 out of five. It doesn't get much higher than this. The only difference would be is if it's the last weekend of the year where this is your last chance. These teams are, there's some Spider-Man memes going on here a little bit. You got the uniforms. Nebraska fans drives them nuts that that Barry stole their uniform motif. <laughs> and they they really do look like opposites of each other if they're playing home and away. Uh, the big difference is, the big Wisconsin W, the massive white hand of Saruman on their helmet, whereas Nebraska got this little Netflix hat. I always find that uh, funny. Who feels better about things? I I don't know. The fans of Nebraska are pulling their hair out with the quarterback of their offense. Wisconsin players and coaches pulling their own hair out about their want to. That's what Coach Fry used to call it. You got a want to. I haven't seen the want to out of Wisconsin. We're going to buck around and find out on Saturday night who is going to go attack and get this game. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard because you look at this game, you look at Nebraska, and there's all the, the trouble with the quarterback situation, and what else do you say besides turnovers? I mean, this team and turning the ball over, it's just like the over-under, I guess. Let's set the over-under at three and a half this game. You know, how many turnovers are they going to have? You know, it just seems like every week it gets more and more and more and more. So that, that, but then you throw in, I think the most consistent unit in this entire game is Nebraska's defense. Like, I'm, for both teams. Like, it's so difficult. And then you have, what's what's Luke Fickle's comments, you know? he <laughs> So the way I interpreted what he said was we're going to see some new players because I don't Possibly. think some of these guys want to play. So what does that do to this game? I mean, it's for both of these teams desperately needing this win for bowl eligibility. Man, this is this is that's I, a hell of a way to wrap up the evening, I can tell you that. You kind of gave me goosebumps there a little bit. This this is I wish I had more of a Morgan Freeman voice so I could, you know, get <laughs> get a better a better sell of it, but Kurt, Kurt's kind of got a Morgan Freeman voice a little bit, <laughs> a little bit more gravelly. Um, you hit it. You hit it. I don't know if necessarily desperate, but boy, the other side of the coin for the team that doesn't win this game, if Nebraska loses this game, they they then are home against a heated rival that they, boy, now they need that win to get bowl eligibility. Wisconsin loses this game. They go that now they have to play at home versus a bitter rival that they have to beat. I believe that's in. in no, they're they're in Minnesota. It's in Minnesota. Excuse me. So they're both again with the Spider-Man meme. They're both there. It's not like winning the game cures all. But boy, it is much needed. It is going to add to the intensity of this game. I think maybe that's what plays in to the game total being lower along with the struggling offenses. But the tightness is what I'm trying to get at. I think the fans feel it. I feel like it's going to get through to the coaches, play calling, and players. Don't expect it would be surprising to see a ton of points in this game. Also, wouldn't be surprising to see it go over the game total either. 
who's going to make the big play? Who's going to make the big mistake? I keep probably just, we're kind of just saying, dressing up the same stuff, but it's it's all here. Nebraska, quarterback, for people that don't know, Heinrich Carberg went out of the game versus Maryland with an ankle. All signs point to him probably making the trip, but very much in case of emergency break glass on him. Then you go to the other guys. Jeff Sims, completely healthy. When he looks good, he looks good. When he looks bad, I joked with a Nebraska buddy of mine, he is their best and worst quarterback, all wrapped in one. That's what Jeff Sims is. Then you got Chuba, who came in, looked good, but sports hernia, to make every guy listen to it, kind of cringe and sit up in their seat. That's what the quarterback situation is for Nebraska, going to add to the anxiety of this game. Yeah, and I'm looking I'm looking over at my sheet and what I have for a score prediction, and you're saying all this, and it's just I, I I don't know because again I said when I get into these games, it's my it's kind of a trend that I've had is when I get a game that's close, I lean on what unit I trust the most. But on the opposite side of that, the unit I trust the most is the Nebraska defense. The unit I trust the least is the Nebraska offense because about, of the turnovers. Right. So so it's like now you throw in. Another big piece of this, which is Wisconsin at home. So I think that plays into it a little sure. bit. And night, game. Tr- and night game. Yeah. But do I trust this Wisconsin offense to have an identity? I, I don't. <clears throat> I do not trust this Wisconsin offense to have an identity. I still don't know if Braylon Allen is healthy. I, I don't think say, he is. I, I don't think he is either. Here's what's interesting. A lot of game plans that you see – out of teams playing Nebraska, they don't even try to run the ball all that much anyways. So if you're really looking at this as glass half full as a Wisconsin fan, maybe it's like this forces us to do what we need to do in order to move the ball, which is throw the ball. That's what Wisconsin is quote-unquote better at now without Braylon Allen. That's what Nebraska's defense has an issue with, is a well-timed passing scheme I think that's what you're seeing in where this line, because it opened up in most spots bigger, was at least six points, if not closer to seven, and has shrunk down to Nebraska. I think that's what Vegas was was seeing earlier. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what I'm seeing too. I don't have a lot more that I that I feel like I need to talk about with this. I'm gonna I'm gonna revert back to what I said earlier with Purdue Northwestern in this game. I think if you're the gambling side of this, do you just take the points? Um because I think this game's going to be close because I don't know if either one of these teams is going to be able to separate and win this game. Right. So I'm going to stay with my gut and stay with my, Damn. my tradition here. And I'm going to, I'm going to trust the unit that I trust the most. And that's Nebraska's defense. So I will take Nebraska winning this game outright. I got 2017 Huskers. So close game. Give me the, give me the points in the Badgers. That's just barely over the total. But I think the only reason it gets over that total is because of maybe a, a real turnover somewhere that leads to to a short field in points. This is my surprise face. Didn't think that's the direction you were going to go. I'll say this. If Nebraska doesn't turn the ball over or wins the turnover battle, they win this game. I have to see that first in order to predict that to happen. Wisconsin really hasn't been turning the ball over that much. That's the one thing you can say about them. They've been, by and large, clean. I think that makes the difference in this game. So I got Wisconsin 21, 
Nebraska 17, we have almost the same score, but reverse for the teams winning. And at a half point cover, that is a cover for Nebraska. And at 38 points, I have this going just over the game total. That so game have, is going to be so interesting. Yes. It's going to be a fun nightcap. It's going to be a fun nightcap. And that brings us to the... Dick 10 game of the week. Getting 49% of the 828 votes. The 5-5 five and five, Illinois Fighting Illini at the 8-2 and two, number 16th ranked Iowa Hawkeyes. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on FS1. Line Hawks by 3. Over under low. 30.5. Vegas is saying 17 to 14 Hawkeyes. Sunny and 50 degrees in Kinnick Stadium on Saturday afternoon. So the Illini actually lead the all-time series 39, 37, and 2. So I think this might be the tightest all-time series that we've seen so far this year. And another barn burner last year, 9 to 6. Yeah. The, the Illini, the Eyes Bowl, I believe, is what it was deemed That's right. by you and Kurt. I guess it still could be the Eyes Bowl a little bit. Um, yeah. We're hoping me and you can have an Eyes Bowl here to end the year. We will, we will see. Bowl game bowl rank of 2.2 out of 5. I was already in a bowl. Illinois very much fighting for a bowl. They're fighting for a little bit more. And if they don't win this weekend, uh, they can get to bowl eligibility the following Saturday. Beetle had a, had a funny little situation where he's telling a actual story about him going in a golfing tournament when he was at Iowa. So it was a beetle, a nun, a one-armed man, and a midget. <laughs> he actually used the word midget. This is not the truth. This is actually who he golfed with in, in a golf tournament. I had so many people DM me saying I got to bring it up. It, it was hilarious. That is that is par for the course for Beetle to just say whatever comes off the top of his head and just let it, let it fling. Anyways, this is... A fun game. Uh, Kurt and I talked a little bit before even he's excited to see this game. There's a lot of different avenues. I really honestly believe there's a couple different game scripts in my head that I could see happening. One of the factors that comes into the game script is something we just heard about earlier today, which definitely surprised me. I know it surprised Kurt, probably surprised you too. Lukey Legs is healthy. Okay, no big deal. We thought Lukey Legs was healthy. Beetle now saying Lukey Legs will be the starter over the, the, the man, the myth, the legend, Big John Paddock. This is a this gives birth to a rare situation where Hawkeye and Illini fans are on the same page where they both think Paddock should be the starter. Doesn't sound like that's what Beatles going with. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I was going to ask you as a Hawkeye fan, are you happier that Lukey Legs is starting at quarterback in this game? I want to be careful. I don't want this to come off as, oh, thank God Lukey Legs is playing. Now we're going to beat him. That's not what I'm saying. However, the the factor that Pat Paddock brought to the to the game of feast or famine. Scared me. I I think as an Iowa fan, I like what I know to expect, which is straight phone booth. I believe Paddock had the ability or has, because it's not like he can't play. If Lukey Legs starts out cold or bad, you can trust me that Beetle will pull him to put Paddock back in. And Paddock's already shown that he can come in the game and do it. So all of these things are still on the table. Paddock has the feast or famine. He has the ability 
to suddenly get Illinois up 14 to three, where Iowa is saying, uh oh, how are we going to come up with 14 whole points in order to get back into this game? However, he does have the possibility to serve up Iowa 10 to 14 points because he's a little too confident, shall we say, with the ball. That's what I thought the majority of what we were going to break down when I was looking at this game Monday and Tuesday. Then you hear the news about Lukey Leg, and it, it kind of switches things up a little bit. Yeah, well, and the reason I ask that is because I almost feel like with, with Lukey Legs in there that he has a little bit more of that YOLO in him, and maybe he makes that mistake into the Iowa defense and throws that kind of ill-advised pick that Iowa's defense just thrives on and turns into a pick six. So that's why I wondered that. But, you know, for all the stuff that we talk about Beetle and his just his quirkiness and the, the, the what the guy is, he had to have seen the movie Hangover, right? We've all seen the movie Hangover. And what's the thing they say about when you're in Vegas? When you you never walk away from the table when you're on a heater. Okay. He's got Paddock who's on a heater and he's walking away from the, the table. I think this is a terrible mistake. I truly think this is a terrible mistake. I think Paddock is the shot that Illinois had to help this game because I think it just opened up the offense so much more. It took a little bit of pressure off the running game, and they're able to run it. We saw the receivers, like Isaiah Williams, and them getting more space and running a little more freely. Obviously, the Iowa defense is a step above what they what he would have seen, but I just think the variability of what he was giving this offense in the throw game is would have been so dynamic in this game. I think it's the wrong choice. I don't disagree with most of what you're saying, want to be clear with that. What I'm saying is I think people are overstating things, and I guess you're in that group. I The biggest issue that I would have with it, if I'm an Illinois fan, is that it seems like the players, the, the, the Illinois players, are all about Paddock. Like, they love the guy. So that would be the thing that would concern me the most if if I am a uh, Illinois fan. However, it's not like he can't come back into the game. He could come into the game theoretically after the first series or second series. So people people are are overstating this. My guess is, and this is kind of uh, what Kurt and I talked about a little bit. My guess is there was a. Uh, Promise, I don't know how to say it, promise made to the Altmeyer family that if Altmeyer is healthy, he's the guy. He's got another year or two eligibility left. So it might not be a decision that's just the easiest thing to make like it is for fans or if you're playing a video game. I think that plays into it. So maybe what we get is Lukey Legs goes in. If the offense isn't popping, we see Paddock. In fact, I think that was that would basically be my prediction. Yeah, hey, and maybe this is all a game and Beatles playing possum on us. I wouldn't put it past him. Absolutely <laughs> not. I believe there's possum here. I agree. So then we then we transition to Iowa. You know, the offense explosion last week with Deacon Hill throwing the ball around the yard. We saw some receivers getting open. This Illinois defense at times has shown potential to allow some plays. However, this guy Johnny Newton really does to be playing at a different level right now. I'm very interested to see how much havoc he can individually wreak in this Iowa running game and what Iowa likes to do running the ball. When he's in there, can he really force Iowa into have to throw the ball more almost by himself? Most of the time, and I cleared this with Big Kurt, he agrees with me, 
most of the time, Illinois' defense does not look very good. When it does look disruptive, it's Johnny. And by the way, I know it's here's Johnny. I was just trying to, you know, we'll play on words there, but that's what it is. It's, oh, it fits. I like it. All right. Never seen a feast or famine on a defense so much predicated on one dude. Questions. There's there's guys in and out of the Iowa offensive line that that concerns me. And it's in the middle. We've we've kind of switched out centers and guards over the last couple of games. Knock on wood, it's looked better. This is a whole nother thing that they're going against on on Saturday. So that concerns me. Iowa is known to be stubborn with their what they do offensively and pass pro, whereas what I'm saying is not necessarily having a running back help a guy out. They just expect that guy to win the one-on-one battle. If that's not happening, if Johnny is slicing through, I hope there is a change in philosophy or blocking schemes to get away from him because if you can't handle him, things open back up. Speaking of things opening back up, we are assuming there that a quarterback has the ability to help it open up. I ain't there yet with Big Deke, okay? Like, I think it looks better. I have a little bit more confidence with that, but I'm going to need to see more than just the second half of the Rutgers game in order to think this is going to happen again. But can I get, you know, I I think I threw out 12 for 20 for 170 yards with no interception. That's my goal. I always throw out a goal. That's the biggest piece. That's the biggest piece. No interception. No interception. Turn the ball over. That's got, I feel great about Iowa winning the game. If the uh, turnovers are even or certainly in Illinois or Iowa's favor, Deacon Hill is the big thing behind that. Is that one bone? Actually, how it's been is he's had three boneheaded, ugly looking plays and somehow miraculously only one has turned into a turnover. There should have been other games where he's had at least two, if not three turnovers. So, Eliminate those if he does and can keep the offense balanced, then things definitely swing in in Iowa's favor for how this game could look. Yeah, and another piece of this too is Kinnick. I mean, this isn't a true night game because we know what Kinnick at night is, but this game will finish in the dark. Yep. And there's that that's that there's that mysterious witchcraft at Kinnick when night games that things just seem to always fall Iowa's way. And I and I do think overall Iowa is the better team here. I mean, top to bottom, the defense and special teams alone, I think, is just massive for Iowa but I'm interested that quarterback situation and what Illinois offensively can do that's to me where the game hinges if if the quarterbacks for Illinois can make enough plays and not make mistakes I think that that's that's how they get this win on the road I would think the game plan for Illinois would be let's get points on the board early and make Iowa it it also fits into Beal that's his mo as well it's a little bit different. That, that I, I would take. I would think that Illinois, if they had the choice, would take the ball first and that first scripted drive. You see, see two it. or three trick plays to try to get seven points right now and immediately put pressure on Iowa's offense. I agree. That's that's what I think I would do if I was Beetle because they have the team that can do it. They have wide receivers that There's suddenly weapons. look good. So that now, what's interesting is almost for sure it'll be Lukey Legs. So, so the aggressiveness you would think would actually fit in into Paddock more for for how that starts out. Another thing too is is uh, Fagan, the freshman wide uh, running back. Excuse me, I I think he'll play. We think he'll play, but not maybe as healthy as he has been. Right. So I'll bring it home. Go ahead, you you give the prediction. 
Yeah, I mean, all, all the things that we said here, it, it leads to that. I think we'll, we'll have a fun game to watch. Um, I do think at Kinnick, it, it's too much. The Iowa defense is too much. I'm going to take the Hawkeyes. I think this game stays pretty close, though. I think Illinois keeps this a ball game. Uh, I'm going to take Iowa 20, Illinois 13, so that's a little over the number, and Iowa covers. But I, I think this game, I don't I don't see a situation where Iowa runs away with this game. Now, if it does happen, it's because of the turnovers and, I, and Illinois throwing the ball to the defense. But I think we see an overall good game here. I just think the Hawkeye defense is, is just too good in this situation, especially being at home. Much of what's playing into provide prediction is much of what you just said. I have a high level of confidence for this Iowa defense. If there is a switch up at quarterback, Iowa is the type of defense that will be as ready for it as any. I'm not saying that means there's no success by Illinois on offense. In fact, I'm going to predict some success, but overall enough to strangle the offense out of the game eventually. Special teams as well. Shout out to Iowa punter Tory Taylor, his last time swinging his right leg in Kinnick Stadium on Saturday. I think we, I think we need to have a moment of silence for, for, for the end of the arrow that is Tory Taylor. Which gets us into special teams, which I believe is the area that the Cooper DeGene injury, I guess we haven't even really brought that up here in this segment, Cooper DeGene almost for sure out for this game and the rest of the season, it sounds like, with a... Broken leg on the lower part of one of his legs, so horrible news. Uh, So that is, to me, the biggest issue that it causes Iowa is special teams. Not only is he a great punt returner, he's an amazing stinger with Torrey Taylor downing balls inside the 5-10 yard line. That's a big loss. It will play into my prediction for the score of the game. I think there's a possibility that you could see more points in this game than what most people would be expecting. I've had this score in my head all week long of 27 to 13. 27 to 13 Illinois in that Illinois does get aggressive from the get-go, has success with it, and Iowa can't catch up. I think that's definitely possible, especially with Cooper DeGene out. Then I've got the other side of it is Iowa gets up or wins 27 to 13 because Illinois does take the chances. It backfires on them, sets up you know, Iowa's offense uh, with short fields or uh, uh, pick six type of deal. I think that's all on on the table here. I wound up just settling in the middle, taking the easy route. I have Iowa 21, Illinois 20. So that Ooh. is an Illinois cover. And at wow. 41 points, your boy has got this going almost a actually more than 10 points over the game total. I'm going to get I feel roasted pretty good that. about the over in this game too. I do too. And I, I, and I think it's the turnover variability that, that brings that in, but I feel pretty good about the over in this game too. I do too. So at night, it's nice that I'm not the only crazy one saying this on this eyes on big podcast. May, I, I may have already played it. Really interesting. Okay. I don't typically touch Iowa. This won't be any exception. I understand people just blindly betting Iowa unders. It's been thoroughly it's been profitable. profitable. It's, it's been, been profitable. thoroughly profitable. But as a as a guy that pays attention to those things, you do need to kind of pay attention to a different trend. Both offenses have looked better than people are paying attention to. It it I believe this will lead to extra points. Not not blowing the you know the scoreboard apart by by any means, but I I don't think there is the potential. Even insinuating that at all, no. I, I, but I do think that there is a I, thirty points is not very many. 
Right. Iowa could have scored a touchdown to go over on its own last week. They had either three or seven points taken off the board at the end of the first half and shut Rutgers out. And they still almost went over last week. Right. And that's not as good of a defense that Iowa has. In addition to, I believe Illinois has a better offense. So those things, that's a little bit of transitive property. I just don't think it's crazy to point those things out for this going over. Nope. I think we're, we're seeing it the same way. We're basically desperately trying to explain to the audience why we're crazy enough to pick it over in an Iowa game. Because we're, we're sickos. That's why. <laughs> because we're sickos. Well, anyways, fans, uh, I know Jordan and I will enjoy the Big Ten and college football this weekend. I hope you do, too. Got anything you want to add here, big man? No, I mean, I said it on the end of the last episode, and we mentioned it at the start of the pod. We only got two weeks of regular season football left. We got to cherish every moment of it. It it, it, it comes and goes way too fast. We got to enjoy every minute. As angry as all of these Big Ten fan bases seem to be, because like we're hitting like a 90% rate on who's angry. We joked, I think Northwestern fans are the only ones that really, (laughs) really feel good or have nothing to be angry about. With that being said, you'll miss even the anger when it's gone. Trust me, big fans, so soak it up. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Jordan. Don't forget to ask for Amador. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.